I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. In preparation for Thanksgiving, the Napier public housing community in South Nashville celebrated by serving over a thousand meals and delivering more than 150 frozen turkeys to their neighbors. This is Nashville senior producer, Tasha A.F. Lemley, followed along with Chef Sterling Wright. Your mama got a turkey already, but one one didn't get one. Take one upstairs to 105B. The eighth annual Thanksgiving turkey giveaway. I like it because everybody's just having a party. And, uh, it's a, it's a beautiful sight to see. What community is this? J.C. Napier and Tony Sudicum Projects. Event co-founder Larry Turnley says he came up with the idea during his 20 years of incarceration. So I would like, if I ever get a chance to get back out into society, I want to bring some good to the community that I played a part in destroying. He says he wants the emphasis to be on the legacy of J.C. Napier, the man, and the namesake of these apartments. More than a hundred years ago, he was influential in getting TSU established, founding Citizens Bank. He also, you know what I'm saying, was one of the first uh, blacks to preside over city council, and the list goes on. However, he's relegated to the worst part of Nashville, and the street that he got is behind the center is more like a driveway. Then you got a single father, if you go up the middle step on your right, then you got Jamaica right here. You're welcome. Chef Sterling moves fast. It's a challenge to keep up with him. A half dozen other guys follow behind. Each of them are carrying at least two frozen turkeys at a time. They're running back for more from the bed of a pickup truck. For more than two hours, he points them in the right direction. Five, seven. You know, dude, you got the one at 564, 565, uh, 569, and 568. He says he knows all 811 of his neighbors down to how many people they're feeding, which doors to skip, who's experienced loss lately, who's likely to be home and not. It's constant hugs and laughs. Miss Teresa! Miss Teresa! Hey, Miss Teresa! Stop that! Don't be like that, don't be talking loud to me, I got company. <laughs> you made sure to come. Thank Happy you, baby. You made, oh God. Thank you all. Uh, this mean woman right here at 595, and then, She's still right there. Yeah. Along the way, Chef Sterling stops, calls over two really small boys, and they're wearing Halloween masks. Come here. I can't see them no more. Take them off. I can't. If I come back around and I see them masks, you gonna hate me if I see the mask again. 105 B. 105 B. Deal. Deal. Excuse me, sir. Deal. If I see that mask again, you gonna hate me. Why you don't want to wear a mask? When well, that's a sign of starting robbing early. So they done seen somebody around here do that and then pull out a gun. It's robbing. So how you expect, like, this is one of the roughest yards right here. So look what they got about to see every day. Guaranteed. One woman who used to school him the same way is Miss Loretta Cairo. This woman right here, if I cross that street, she gonna tell my dad and my mom. <laughs> That's right. My, my mom and his parents were good friends, and so, you know, we had to look out, make sure he stayed on the right path. You know, he didn't forget where he came from. He gives back to the community with such a passion. 
and love for the people from where he grew up at. He's just a great guy. Not a perfect guy, but a great guy. I'm just waiting to see where God is going to do in his life next. Yes, thank you. It's Happy turkey season. Chef Sterling runs off to drop off another turkey before he starts crying. And it's not his first tears of the day. Anybody can come and donate turkey, but when you, how you gonna donate to somebody you don't know? Well, we've got Chef Sterling right here with us. Thank you so much, Chef, oh, right wow, for being yeah. here. Oh, uh, <clears throat> yeah, that's my first time hearing it, and uh, I know my impact, but I just felt my impact, you know. Well, tell me a little bit about what we just heard there. Uh, just me loving on my community and my community loving back on me. Mm. Um, I can't do no more give God the glory and the thanks. Uh, I got to thank MDHA, uh, Larry Turnley, my brother, my right-hand man, Colin Suela, Napier Kitchen Table, Tennessee Justice Center, um, Claiborne Street, just... I just want to say I love everybody and I love y'all, man. Um, mm. I really want to thank God for giving me this vision uh, and come up with this motto, Impact Over Income. You, you've been doing this for eight years. Yes. Why? If, you know, people come and donate turkeys and they say Thanksgiving, but what if you're in a wheelchair? How are you going to be able to get that Thanksgiving dinner? A lot of people, I'm... I'm I'm great that people donate to turkeys, but who are you donate to? Mm. Are you sure that family need it? Or you just want to give away to get recognized? It's a difference between, like, feels good. I can go knock on the doors that I know the families that need it. And it just feels good. And excuse me for saying I, it's a really a we thing. Mm-hmm. So we do it all together. Couldn't do it without great teamwork. So... I, I understand what you're saying. Rather than kind of being generous, which is a good thing, but almost anonymously and yes. randomly to people, yes. you want to specify who is in desperate need of help. Correct. And you go to help them, I think, also, but from the fact that you grew up there, you know so, yes. so many people Yes. in your community. Tell us about what you want everybody to know about the community at J.C. Napier. Uh, it's a food desert. Hmm. Um. It's a highly crime area. But I, I don't get mad because you are what you see. People use their tongue a lot, <clears throat> but I like for, if it's up to me, I wish people would use their tongue and their shoes to to give out their positive impact. Um, Come together as one to save a community because we can't do it as one single person, but... Just think if we come together as one with a fist of being positive, what type of impact we can have. Mm-hmm. You were, we were talking about, before everything aired, you were talking to me about my senior producer, Tasha yes. A.F. Limley. She walked with you she walked through me. that neighborhood. That woman is phenomenal. A lot of people, when they get to their red light and they see what they turn and left into or right into, a lot of people don't come out. Mm-hmm. This woman watched me deliver not one turkey, but we delivered up over 200 turkeys, and she was by my side. What made me take my hat off to her, 
she didn't realize she walked through three different gang areas and she felt safe. And, and then yeah. to me, that came back to the Bible. No form, no weapons forms against me shall prosper. And that woman did it with a smile on her face and didn't complain about being tired, didn't feel like she was in danger. And she got, the people got to see unity. They mm. didn't see race. They seen love. Mm -hmm. It wasn't nobody out there, this is this, this, that. That was love, man. And I just got to thank her enough. I just, she knows she's back here. I just want to keep putting my arms around her. She's so sweet. Mm -hmm. She's absolutely amazing. And it was, it, you know, that's something that was interesting to me, in, interesting to me about what she talked about her experience and, and how you just reiterated that. It's something that a lot, a lot of people do. Yeah. They, those are places, there are places in town, in Nashville, <laughs> that people actively avoid. Avoid. Yet they talk about all the time. Yes. It's very interesting about, you know, when you look at the people who are in need, not only are you giving people turkeys, you know, not only are you providing food in a food desert, you're also providing opportunity and training Correct. for the young kids. Because I understand you're like, you're training future chefs from the J.C. Napier neighborhood. And you're in the town of Tony my I partnered up with Napier Kitchen Table. I got to thank Napier Kitchen Table for giving me the opportunity to work with them. I got to thank TJC they, to provide the building, but it's a... It's a family affair with TJC and NKT. We all one big family. So majority of the, the kids I'm dealing with has got single moms. What if your mom got three kids or more? She go to work. She got to come home, cook and clean. Mm -hmm. Not knowing how her day was at work. But she got to come home, still got to cook, clean, and look out the kids. Well, the, the class... We teach them how to cook and clean to take all that stress away from mom. Mm. We, uh, we bring them up, teach them some cooking techniques. They get to eat there so we know they ain't hungry. But their homework is to take the food home and cook for the whole family. So that, that makes me feel good because nobody's going hungry. Mm -hmm. And uh, the main part about it, people don't realize, that's when violence come in is when you're hungry. You know, as a man, we're going to do whatever we need to do to eat to eat, and to take care of our family. Mm -hmm. And so I, instead of talking about the problem, let's start attacking the problems. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. Yeah. I, and I can imagine that for the kids, for the young people, what age groups are you teaching how to cook? Uh, right now I'm at middle school and high school because they're going into the job phase. Like... Everybody always tell them how to be successful. But God has blessed me to show them what it looks like. Mm -hmm. To put them on a private jet or to fly them out of town to an event just to be around chefs. This is how far cooking can take you if you want it. Mm -hmm. Now, college is not for everybody. But if you notice, they took the trade out of school, like home economics. That was some classes we look forward to going to. I did. I sure did. And notice it's no longer in schools like it used to be. Shop classes no Shop longer classes. in schools. Shop classes. No longer. Yeah. So they took the fun. They, they forcing our kids and our families to do things that we're not comfortable in doing. And, and you know, by your kid teaching these young people life skills. Yes. That are going to benefit them. Should they have families, they'd be able to pass on. For life. And for life. And, you know, and, and you, from your own skills and your own experience, I know you don't really don't want to be defined by this, but you were on... Hell's Kitchen a few it, years back. Yes. Yes. 
I was. How was that being with Gordon Ramsay Man, in an intense situation? It wasn't tense for me because I loved it. Look where I come from. That's tense. Mm. Kitchen is my safe zone. You can't bother me. You can't touch me. But being under Chef Ramsey, man, he, I'm what you call an overnight success. Who would ever think from my neighborhood, a man from my neighborhood would go to a show where the meanest man fall in love with you? Hmm. It's God, man. It's, and so I, I thank him. I thank Gordon Ramsey for the opportunity. I still thank Gordon Ramsey. Like, out of all the people you could talk to, you talk to me, you, you cuddled me. Hmm. And I, I just... If you're listening, Gordon, you hear this, I really appreciate you. And I, I'll start calling you back. I understand he offered you a job, but you turned it down. Uh, yes. Uh, my motto is impact over income. Um, at that time, I, I call her, my earth mom, her name was Clement Greenley. Mm. And she was having, I've already lost my mom, and then she had to have a heart transplant. And so when I got up there to see her, Oh man, they they talking about three months, but she's like, I'm I'm having a heart by the end of May when she it was a school shooting in Texas and a kid heart saved her, so she went home in May, the end of May. So I decided to go work at the hospital to save her life. Mm. So I got to interact with patients. You know, it ain't all about the money, man. I could live a great life, but what about the impact? You're really dedicated yeah. to serving everyone. Yes. Starting with your community. Yes, and um, I know I'm, you know, a lot of people are called, but a few are chosen. I know I'm chosen to do this. And I thank God for giving me this opportunity to show them I am a product of, of J.C. Napier, but I'm not a product of my environment. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just want to show the kids, you ain't got to be a rapper. You ain't got to be no athlete. You ain't got to be no gang member. I'm just a cook. Mm-hmm. Chef. A chef. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I I look at it. There's popular shows like Hell's Kitchen. We've got Chopped, the TV series. And then there's also The Bear, which had a lot of people yes. interested in the culinary arts. You know, they've made being a chef very hot, very popular. Have you seen within the young people you work with them really taking to this idea, like introducing them to the art of culinary arts is not um, something that they seem they think is lame but they actually think is cool I, uh, I got a guy I, I, he's like a son to me he tried to kill himself three times mm. and when I met him I laughed at him he said why are you laughing at me Sterling Chef Sterling because God ain't done with you yet you have a purpose here turned him on to cooking the man now this guy done left his group home now he's gonna be checking in the culinary school to be a chef and um Chef and man, like people don't realize cooking, you can make somebody's day or you can make, make it a bad day, good day, their last meal or their first meal. You control that. Mm. And it makes me feel good, like to put this joy on your plate to let you eat it. Okay, so who taught you how to prepare that joy? That you serve to oh, so many people. I give my credit to my grandmama, my mom, and my daddy. Uh, what made me start cooking is when my, my daddy came home from work one day and my mama didn't have food ready. He said, boy, you better learn how to cook because the women ain't cooking no more. Best advice I took from my dad. Mm -hmm. Went to McGavick, uh, met Miss Owens. Miss Owens uh, really pushed me into cooking. I was in this uh, club called Vicar, and they gave me my first scholarship to Johnson & Wales. Okay. And from there? Took off. 
So I understand you have a nickname called Mr. 100. Yes. Why do the, does everyone call you that? Man, if, if you look up the word attitude, attitude letters, if you add up all those letters, they equals 100. Mm. Now look at your day when you 100. Now look at your day when you let somebody steal your joy. Which one makes you feel better? Mm. 100. So every day you see me, you going to get this Mr. 100. You're going to feel it. No matter what happens. No matter what happens. Hmm. You're going to get it. Is, is that a lesson that you transfer over, particularly to the kids? Because that's something to important everybody. for everybody. I, I got it from my grandma. She told me, every minute you married is 60 seconds of blessings that you let go out the window and you'll never get back. Hmm. Done. Mm-hmm. Not enough there. That's enough said. said. For the question mark where she left a period. All right, so... You know, this, I like that. Don't put a question mark where she left a period. That's perfect. Now, you know, we're talking about radical hospitality, and a lot of people have different definitions for it. How how do you define radical hospitality? Well, I say I'm ratchet. You say radical. I'm over simple. Ratchet hospitality. Ratchet. Okay. Because I'm on a... I want my kids to understand where I'm coming from and the people I get to talk to, they, radical, what you mean, radical, what's radical? Nah, I'm going to be ratchet with me. <gasps> but I'm going to kill you with the hospitality. Hmm. That smile goes a long way. You get to transfer ratchet into the hospitality. Mm-hmm. From ratchet to hospitality. So what you're saying is like ratchet behavior is something kind of brash in your face and uncompromising Un- and unrelenting. Yes. Yet hospitality is kindness. gracious. And passionate, ca- caring, yeah. kindness, and a smile. And a smile. When you go up north, they say, man, you got so much southern hospitality. Mm-hmm. It's built in us to have hospitality if you're in the south. Yeah. But I don't know where it went at, though, no. But I'll be honest, it feels like a genuine and authentic and honest and real hospitality. Yes. Just to be in this room with you and then to hear about what you're doing, as opposed to the sort of genteel hospitality (laughs) that you do for niceness. You're you're doing actual acts of kindness rather than the niceties of optics. Yes, correct. Oh, man, like, like I said, like, when you got it in you, you got it in you. I can tell when you fake. That's why I like to hug people. Hmm. My, uh, my parents always taught me a hug is the best gift you can give anyone because it comes in all shapes and sizes and it's easy to receive. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a short break. That's what's up. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. The holiday season is that time of year when most people slow down and reflect. We take time to consider what we're grateful for. Some of us look for ways to help others. Now, as good as it is that people bring themselves to a higher level of awareness during the holiday season, but it's just that. It's only the holiday season, which is not very long. What about people who help others throughout the year? How are they engaging in radical hospitality? My next guest is here to talk about how she gets involved. Nicole Valentine is with the Napier Kitchen Fellowship. Nicole, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to This is Nashville. Thank you. Glad to be here, Khalil. So tell me, how do you define radical hospitality? Yes, so um, I'm with Napier Kitchen Table, um, and we 
define hospitality in, in it looks different for each organization is what I would say. But for me personally, it's where a group of people come together to an experience and it could be a meal or it may not be a meal. And they're able to contribute something. And that may be their time uh, through serving and maybe their energy and maybe their love. Um, and there is equal playing field at that table or experience mm. and barriers are removed and there's no expectation to be something that you're not show up as yourself. Yeah. Authentic. Mm. Yeah. Now tell we talked about it a little bit, but tell us what is Napier kitchen table? Yes. So Napier kitchen table is um, a faith community as well as a community development um, community organization rather in the Napier um, community. So if you look on Google, the Napier area, um, it says Napier area, and it's inclusive of the Tony Sudicum and JC Napier public housing, as well as homes in that particular area. So um, I live intentionally in the Napier community. And I say intentionally because I felt called through the work that I was doing with Napier Kitchen Table, also formerly working with MNPS and seeing how my students um, and families live in the community, this Napier community that I love so much, I felt called to move into the community. How long have you been doing this work? About um, eight years. Mm. Yeah. Tell me what really called you. I mean, you mentioned that you've been called to it. You've moved yourself there. You have ensconced yourself in yeah. the community. You just don't come in every day to work. You are living, breathing, sleeping there. Yeah. What made you? So um, I grew up in Nashville. And I learned how to swim in Napier Elementary School. I was a product of busing in the late 80s. And so I remember my mom and dad not being excited about me going to Napier because in the 80s, it's had a similar reputation as it does right now. And so fast forward to um, growing up in Nashville, going to college, and teaching in MNPS. And I realized that um, community is so important when it comes to um, teaching students and going beyond the classroom and seeing where they live, being in their home, spending time with the families, because not every student or, or uh, adult gets excited about coming to a school building. So I would think that's where, for me, that's where it started, realizing that the families that I work with on a daily basis um, need the support of the school in their community as well. You know, one thing that really stands out to me is like you're, you guys are offering exposure to kids. You said mm -hmm. something about, you know, offering, being an impact to them outside of the classroom. Yeah. What do outings like going hiking? Oh, yeah. Or going to a farm. <laughs> what does that do for the young people you're working with? Oh, my with? gosh. I'm laughing because I'm getting excited because that is what we do. So when I say Nate Kitchen Table um, is a community development organization as well. We provide experiences for youth and families to come out of their community. So, yes, we do spend a lot of time with them in the community. <clears throat> Excuse me. But we also believe in exposure trips. So. Um, this year in particular, just um, give an example, we um, took the families hiking, camping, kayaking. Um, mm. We uh, went on a boat ride. And, and, and Excuse me, Miss Nicole. You're not telling him the first thing the kid told you was the first thing to show them. 
Tell me more, friend. The sun, sun. Oh yes. Okay. So okay. I want to hear this. You story. want to hear this story? Okay. <laughs> yes. So I'm an avid. So I mentioned learning to swim in Napier, right? Mm-hmm. So I, because of the experience, I'm an avid um, kayaker. So and also a camper. And so we took this. The teenagers, um, they're in our program from Napier, and we took them camping in June. And every teenager said that it was their first time seeing the sunset. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And the Percy Free Sunset is amazing if you haven't seen it, by the way. But it's, it's moments like that yes. where that a lot of people take for granted the opportunity. You, you, we can open up Instagram right now and see a whole bunch of people here who live in the Nashville area. I went kayaking. I went yeah. hiking. They have access to those things. But people don't understand. When I was a teacher in Los Angeles, I taught in South L.A. Wow. I took my kids because of the nature of being a special education classroom, very small amount of mm-hmm. students I had. And end of the year, teachers needed certain amount of kids to fill yeah. out the bus for field trips. We took the kids to the beach. Mm. South Los Angeles to yeah. the beach is only a 20-minute drive, and I had kids who was their first time ever reaching the beach. Wow. Like, you never realize the experiences that these kids have not had, yet you're offering it to them, yeah. Nicole, and you're seeing it reflected to them and so in so many impactful ways. Yeah, and they make connections too, right? Mm. So I mentioned we took the kids uh, camping in June. So three weekends ago, we went to a sweet potato farm. Yes. And and during that experience, the, the teens and youth were sharing, making connections when we took them hiking. And so it was awesome to see them pick the sweet potatoes. It was almost like a treasure hunt because they're pulling it up and they're like, oh, I got three. What did you get? Um, And so it was those experiences like that. And and I'll also say this quickly. So um, Jada, which is one of the teens in our program, um, she loves Korean culture. And so I've been mentoring her for about three years. So when we're sweet potato picking, Jade and I made a connection about sweet potatoes in Korea because we actually just came back from South Korea mm. um, two months ago. And so she lives in the neighbor community and wanted to go to South Korea and couldn't afford um, the senior trip that her school was taking. And my friend was like, that's not okay. Where does she want to go in the world? And so mm. having that experience a couple months ago was her and her twin brother who went uh, the three of us, it made me realize I want more experiences like that, um, more experiences for the youth in Napier to get outside of the community, whether it's at the lake at Percy Preeks or whether it's a sweet potato farm or whether it's on a plane going mm-hmm. to the other side of the world. To another country, yeah. yeah. As you can hear, Chef Sterling Wright is still with us. Now, yes. Chef, how can an opportunity like that, taking a young person from J.P. Napier or Tony Sudicum Homes, give them a chance to go to another part of their city or town or even another country well i i did tell you uh, i had a, i had an opportunity with uh nicole one of the best experience that i f- can share with nicole is the picture of their faces when we put them on a private jet oh yeah that i haven't been on the private jet. <laughs> that, like just one thing i love about napier kitchen table they're not just talking about it they be about it and they give the kids they, the kids being with Napier Kitchen Table think outside the box because they see what's outside the box, which which they never witnessed outside the box mm-hmm. until they got to Napier yeah. Kitchen Table. To be around a group, a team that wants to see the kids and the families take off, how can you not join that? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they still remember that. So, two, that was pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. That was November 2019. Yeah. And so, two of the teams we took on that uh, uh, private jet experience are now in the Tuesday culinary program. Wow. And so they remember that this is where learning to to cook and having culinary skills can take you. And so now they're actually living it out and practicing it. Yes. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville and I'm your host, Khalil E. Colonna. We're talking this hour about radical hospitality. My guests are Chef Sterling Wright and Nicole Valentine, both with Napier Kitchen Table Fellowship. You can tweet us at This Is Nashville. Okay, so you know, Chef Wright, you talked about it, that in those neighborhoods, well, not just the only neighborhoods in Nashville, there's a lot of food deserts around. Yes. Yeah. And you all work with a CSA, which is a community-sponsored agriculture program. Oh, yes. You know, talk to me about that program and just why it's so important for the mental, physical, and spiritual health of the people of the it's community. It's so important. So shout out to Jonathan Nash, who is the founder and pastor of Neighbor Kitchen Table. Jonathan! <laughs> Happy belated birthday. <laughs> he, uh, he and his wife, Susie, moved into the, the Napier community about eight years ago. And it looked different than what it is right now. Yes. And so um, it did not have a grocery store at the time. And he wanted to um, create genuine relationships with the members of the community. And so his way of doing that was to start community gardens with a couple of nonprofits. And from there, he kept hearing from families, we need a grocery store, we need a grocery store. And so Jonathan was able to form a a relationship with the farmer and people with means were able to uh, pay for the produce from this farmer. And then um, he was able to start a weekly farm stand in the Napier community where members of the Napier community were able to come and purchase yes. with dignity produce at a very low cost. Nice so, looking yes. produce too. Amazing produce. Amazing produce. Uh, yes, um, five tomatoes for a dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, get you a watermelon yeah. for $2. So unbeatable prices, but prices they can afford with dignity. And it's there, I feel like, I also realized this is a way to get to know the neighbors more. So when you mentioned earlier, like, what made you move? Like, so I started volunteering with Jonathan and Neighbor Kitchen Table, and I realized I wanted to be a part of this community. When I would uh, help with the farm stand, I was creating relationships and, and, and learning about things that I didn't know about when it comes to growing produce. And also my neighbors, Mr. Albert, yep. shout out to Mr. Albert. He's been in, um, a community resident for so many years. Mr. Albert was like, this is how I cook, um, you know, my zucchini, or this is how I cook the tomatoes. And so mm-hmm. I'm learning. And so that's what radical hospitality is about is where you're learning from other people. You're leaving the table, you're leaving the conversation differently than what you came. Mm-hmm. Every Sunday um, we have a community meal with neighbor kitchen table. And so uh, chef Sterling cooks out, cooks the meal for us twice a month. And then the other two Sundays we find someone in the community who has a love for cooking to come and use, we have a commercial kitchen um, in our new building that just opened up. And so they're able to use a commercial kitchen and cook for others. I've learned so much just from my neighbors. You know, I'm two blocks away from our building and learned so much from my neighbors in this process of seeing how they cook and, and you know, coordinate this meal. It's just been beautiful. And on this Sundays, like, it makes you feel family again. Because when, when the last time families sit down is one, besides Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I love about the Sundays. We eat as a family. Mm-hmm. No cell phones. No, we just all just sit there and enjoy 
and kids, kids adults, adults. We have some unhoused neighbors yeah. who come. Everyone. Yeah, everyone. We have some. Yeah, we, have, we, have some we, don't, we don't. We don't judge the junkies. We don't judge everybody. Has got a story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody got a pass. And everybody's got a seat at the everybody table. Everybody got they a do. seat at the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we got to take another short break, Nicole, but you're going to stick with us through this. But Chef Sterling, we're going to say goodbye for now. But Man, before, bye, y'all. before we do, though, yes. <laughs> leave us with something. Tell us what's next for you and leave us during this time of reflection. Leave us something that we all can think about. Man, um, the word impossible. Spell right is pronounced wrong. If you got your mind to it and God done gave you the vision and it's on your heart, you take that impossible and turn it to I'm possible because that's how you spell it. It's, it's spell right but pronounced wrong. It's actually I'm possible. And with God, all things are possible. Reflect on what you done been through in your life. Everybody go through something. You don't go through it. You grow through it. Everything you done been through, you done came out. You're not a victim. You're a victor. And I'm out. Mm. Chef Sterling Wright is with the Napier Kitchen Fellowship. Chef, thank you. And he's also Chef Gordon Ramsay's number one guy. Yes. But I want to thank you all. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. All right. When we come back, we're going to meet some people who use faith to engage in radical hospitality. We'll learn how they build community no matter what spiritual or religious practices people follow. Do you engage in radical hospitality? Let us know by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Khalil Colonna, and this is Nashville. We're talking about radical hospitality, and right now we're going to look at a weekly community dinner on Trinity Lane in East Nashville. It's not it's inside an old church building that now belongs to an organization called Trinity Community Commons. Pardon me, y'all. And every Tuesday night, they serve up a hot meal with food that comes from the Nashville Food Project and from members of the community bringing dishes potluck style. Some of the people who come are homeless, which is what you might expect to hear from, you know, when there's free meals inside of an old church. But many people aren't. And that's the whole point of the Tuesday night meal. Contributor Emily Siner takes us inside. What's up? Hello. How are you doing? Good, how are you? Who is Can everyone hear me? Isaac, all the way in the back. Can you hear me okay? Oh, yeah. Great. Um, thank you all so, so much for being here tonight. Uh, if you've never been here before, my name is Zach. This is Trinity Community Commons, and this is a weekly community dinner that we have. This is not a restaurant, so you're not coming in and there's not a team on staff here preparing food for you. It's also not a soup kitchen. There's not a group of people here serving up a lot of free food. This is a community dinner that we're all putting on together. Uh, Each one of us gets to admit two things tonight. I have things to contribute. I have skills. I can make food. I can serve food. I can serve my neighbors. And we also get to admit I have needs. I need to receive from others. We all depend on each other. You, you, did you get food? Cheese no, I'll take a few cheese and crackers. Right. How often do you come here? We try to make it every week. Um, actually, we come at least twice a month. Yeah. We try to. Yeah. Is that cider? Yes. Oh, and we met a lot of you know different people from the community. It's a nice thing to have, for them to have this. I guess you would say it's more 
makes people more humble when they come into a place like this. It, you know, it, it humbles you when you come in here and you, you might be speaking to somebody, but you would never get that chance if you was out on the street or, you know. Can we describe what's on our plates? Well, this looks like some kind of yummy pasta with, uh, I can't tell if that might be like ground sausage or something that's with it and some different spices. This looks like cheese grits. I've probably been here, this might be like my sixth or seventh time coming in and uh, we're neighbors in the community. We live a couple blocks away, but uh, great meal and great company every time we come. Oh, is this your first time here, brother? I'm Peter. Good to meet you, man. I kind of have this feeling that most of us, we go through a day-to-day, you go to the gas station, you pay for your gas, maybe you do it right at the pump, you don't even see a person inside the place. You go to the grocery store. Maybe you're bagging your own groceries and checking yourself out. If there is someone checking your stuff out, half the time they don't look you in the eye, you don't look them in the eye. So this is a place where you show up, and you look people in the eye and you talk to them and you actually, you interact with them as real people instead of as like non-player characters in a video game that you're playing. Food is the most common denominator that we have to share and to bring us together. We all have different issues, different values, different morals, but if you put food on the table, they will come. And conversations can begin through that. Originally when I came, started coming here, I was homeless with my spouse, and we had nowhere to go. And someone mentioned there was a place to eat. Because it boils down to you meet friendly people, and people that care about you. They don't see your situation, and they see the person. Sometimes that's all you really need. Joining us is Zach Likens. He is the executive director of Trinity Community Commons. You just heard his voice making announcements in that piece. And Father Michael Arnold. He is the vicar and founder of Christ Our Anchor. Thanks to you both for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. All right. So we're going to keep with this theme. How do you both define radical hospitality? Father Michael. I think for me, radical hospitality is living out of a place of abundance, right? So we can live abundantly in our schedules and we can give of ourselves. Uh, and I think in that recording, it, it's something that I've often thought about. is like we can choose to go through the regular checkout line instead of self-checkout. Mm-hmm. We can choose to open up our schedule to be able to volunteer and meet neighbors. We could have backyard grill outs to meet our neighbors. It's just being in a place of abundance to give exuberantly to those around us without expecting anything in return. Mm-hmm. Zach, what's your definition? Uh, Hospitality is all about uh, welcoming people, uh, making them feel like they belong, uh, remembering their names, uh, uh, changing them from a stranger to a neighbor to a family member. I know the the founder of Trinity did that for me and for so many neighbors where you knew if you came in, people would be there who wanted you there, who cared about you, uh, and you felt like, I'm family here. I, I belong here. I feel welcome. That's hospitality to me. It means something. Now, you know, Father Michael, you, you mentioned abundance, particularly in our time and schedules. A lot of listeners out there say, what are you talking about abundance mm-hmm. in time and schedule? I'm packed from the minute I wake up to, you know, when I go to sleep. But to listen to you, it feels like we do have abundance in our schedules. We have to either create it or find it. What do you recommend for folks? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if we look at our lives, it's like I'm, I'm tired from what and I'm busy with what. Um, and we can look around and, and think about the Nashville that we want to see. 
And I think it's making space because what, what I found is as I've freed up my schedule, as I've opened it up to have more people in our home to have dinner with us, um, opened my schedule up to meet with other people and to serve in the community, I found that I'm not as busy feeling, not as tired. So it's in dropping these kind of busy, maybe not as meaningful things mm. that I actually find rest and community and, and all sorts of amazing people and joys that I never would have had uh, if I kept myself busy with other things. All right. So we're busy with being busy when we actually have the time to to be in the moment with people. Yes. I like that a lot. Now, Zach, tell me, how are you exercising radical hospitality? Uh, um Every week we we host a meal, uh, and everyone's welcome uh, in the neighborhood. Um, so it's not a whenever people hear free meal, you think, oh, that's a soup kitchen. I think for us, the the goal is actually connecting neighbors to each other. Um, so the way we show radical hospitality is not just offering a meal experience. You can go to lots of places and have dinner. You can go to lots of places and get free food. But the difference is this is a place where like if you come, you're going to contribute. Like you get to enter into the mess of like a family style meal with us and you're gonna have a role to play. You're either gonna cook food or you're gonna serve it with us. And then we'll all sit down together. So there are no it's there there are no second class citizens. Uh, everyone is an equal, everyone's sharing a meal together. And most people don't have that experience. They either come to something like this and they're like, Well, I'm the volunteer, I'm mm. I'm serving. Or I'm the I'm the person receiving free food and I have nothing to offer. And we want to erase those lines between classes and say, no, this is hospitality. You're part of a family, which means you all contribute and you all get to sit down and enjoy that family meal together. That kind of reminds me of an experience I had living in Los Angeles. Again, um, there's a, a Hare Krishna temple. You could come, you could pay for a meal if you had the money. You could get a meal for free if you didn't have the money, mm -hmm. but they encourage you to sit and to talk with folks. Yeah. And also they're like, hey, if you want to help wash a couple pans, you can do that That's as well. Okay. That's it. I, it was great food. It was a great time. I understand that. You know, and so as I'm thinking about this, you know, we hear this word hospitality. And we kind of think it's having a house guest and making a bed for people and setting out a clean towel or making them dinner. But Father Michael, tell me, what makes this kind of hospitality that that what you're doing and what we heard about earlier in the show, what makes that radical? I think it's opening up space for other people, you know, t t space and time and then space and just allowing them to contribute because everyone does have something to contribute. The 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 homeless person mm -hmm. who might not have food to bring yes. actually has something to contribute and they have dignity. And so it's allowing things to be a little slower, right? Um, allowing things to go at a different pace um, and making room for everyone to feel like they belong, right? Um, and that if they're not there, they'll be missed. Um, and someone will call and check up on them because they're they're needed, right? And they're able to contribute. And con encouraging people to slow down their pace seems that post-pandemic, a lot of people want to pick up the pace to either get back the three years that were lost or to do that, that, that to accomplish their dream that they never thought of or just to catch up. How can we slow our pace in this world that's kind of ever increasing on our demands? I think it's finding the little ways, right? It, it's, it's going through the regular checkout line, putting your phone down, talking to the person, learning about them, mm. uh, looking at different things going on in our neighborhoods. There's so much going on in Nashville, so many opportunities to meet neighbors and serve and expand your horizons. Um, it's just being open to that. Mm. Now, Nicole Valentine with the Napier Kitchen Table Fellowship is still with us. You know, Nicole, there's a lot of organizations out here, countless ones, yeah. in Nashville, Middle Tennessee, and across the country that have this non-for-profit model that are helping people with this work. They're doing as much as they can. 
But how can a radical approach, like the one we're discussing today, how can that fill in the service gaps that other organizations can't? Yeah, it's so good. Um, Everyone has hopes and dreams, right? And so what I've realized just from um, living out radical hospitality through work and through home is being able to find out and listen to my neighbors what their hopes and dreams are and hearing what they can teach. When I was in a classroom, I used to always tell my students, like, there's something that I can learn from you and there's something that you can learn from me. In um, the pedagogical world, it's called the funds and knowledge, right? Like, we all have something that we can contribute to the table. And so on Sundays, at, at our version of Radical Hospitality, I'm sure just like with, you know, Zach and Michael, like, I'm walking away learning more about my neighbors. Mm-hmm then I ever realized I could just, you know, from sitting and it's, you know, that one hour goes by so fast, but I look forward to it. And you're right, Khalil, there's a lot of different organizations showing up for people. I think it is important for us to take the time and listen to what our what our neighbors are sharing as far as our hopes and dreams in our city of Nashville. Now, producer and former news director Emily Siner, she did that little piece we heard at the beginning of this segment. She said this about community comments, quote, there's something about religion that motivates people, even if it's not about conversation, end quote. Now, Emily is from a Jewish heritage. Do, pardon me, conversion, sorry, conversion. Even if, I'll say the quote again, I totally jacked it up. It's Monday. (laughs) So, quote, there's something about religion that motivates people, even if it's not about conversion, end quote. All right, so Emily is from a Jewish heritage. Question for all, do all, all three of you identify as Christians? I do. Yes, I do. And so th- answer this for me. How does having like a multitude of faiths and spiritual practices, how does that help improve the understanding of community? Zach. Uh, that's a great question. I, I think that having a multitude of like religious perspectives and not just religious perspectives, but like backgrounds and cultures like there is so much beauty in the world. There is so much truth and goodness, and we have so much to learn from each other. And if we uh, include everyone in that conversation and come to grow to understand each other, what we value, what we believe, what our histories are, we have so much that we can learn. There's so much beauty out there in that diversity. So I think by by including people in those conversations and working through those, we get to wrestle with what we believe more fully. Mm-hmm. We get to engage with others and show them, I genuinely care about what you believe and why, and Mm -hmm. I want to know you as a person. And then we can show people, I value you. I care about you, not as a means to an end to get a a conversion metric, but no, I care about you just because you were created in God's image. And I love you and I care about you because you have worth and value in and of yourself, not because of what you do or not because of how you respond to me. Now, Father Michael, tell me, you all offer weekly meals at Christ Our Anchor. How does having a group of different people with different religious beliefs or spiritual backgrounds, how does that exemplify radical hospitality? Right. I think it's, you know, a realization that it's it's God's kingdom, not ours. Um, and it's his spirit that does the converting and the changing. Like what we're called to do is to open opportunities for gleaning, for jobs, to invite, to welcome, to love and to serve. Um, now we don't hide behind what we are. <laughs> like it's a very traditional Anglican evening yeah. prayer service. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone's welcome and we pray and we bless everyone. Uh, jobs are given to everyone who needs them. Um, but we leave it at that. Um, and, and it's great. We learn and we grow together. Um, 
Yeah. It's like I was saying to someone um, the other day, like when you come to our community meal, you're, you're not going to get a track like, you know, the, the uh, religious tracks that we often sometimes hear about. You can come in, stay for the meal and just leave. Like with the April Kitchen Table, we do have a small service um, after our meal, but there's no pressure. There's no expectation to convert. And you will never hear anyone say, like, we need you to do X, Y, and Z. We just want you to just be yourself and show up. Now, this is a question from, we have just about 30 seconds left, and I want you to answer this. Father Michael from Sterling, Chef Sterling from the other room, he asks, wants to know how you can serve Christ without pushing Christ. I think it's being his hands and feet in the world, right? Like if we look at the example of Christ, he was radically hospitable, right? He was open to sinners sitting at his table, open to anyone and everyone coming to him and listening and being with them and walking beside them. And that's what I talk about with like just being radically generous uh, with our time, with our gifts, with our love, not expecting anything in return. Um, And that's how we live out. Christ call uh, to be in our community. I really want to thank all of you for being here. My guests are Zach Likens with the Trinity Community Commons, Father Michael Arnold with Christ Our Anchor, and Nicole Valentine with the Napier Kitchen Fellowship. Thank you again for being with us, and thank you for the work you all are doing. Really Thanks, appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. All right, and thank you for tuning in for this hour. This is Nashville as a production of Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Magnolia McKay and our senior producer, Tasha A.F. Lemley. It was also directed by Tasha A.F. Lemley. Special thanks to Nina Cardona for helping out on the boards. Live tweeting was handled by Elizabeth Burton. The masterminds behind our theme musical, Orange and Namir Blade. Special thanks to Miss Emily Siner. You can listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And the conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil A. Colonna. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And be good to each other. <laughs>